Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. We have a special guest today that has been covering lead generation. We're going to dive into basically lead generation 101, but obviously being a real estate investor, this individual is tech savvy as well and you know has gone through all the trial and error to be able to get to this point. So I'm excited to have him on here to really be able to selfishly uh, get better at you know Facebook ads or whatever it may be to be able to soak in more lead generation and lower my cost to be able to do so. So I know you guys can take a lot of value from this as well. Make sure you guys are prepared with you know pen, a pad to be able to take some notes here and just super excited. So Brian, what's up, man? How are you today? Going on, man. How you doing? Good, good. I appreciate you jumping on and joining us. I know you have a lot of expertise when it comes down to this field. So for anybody out there that doesn't know more about your story, your history, what you're up to, do you mind just diving in a little bit more? Yeah, sure. I'll give the cliff notes. So I got into digital marketing back in like 2004, 2003, something like that, a long time ago. Originally, I started in SEO. I got involved with a website called Odesk and now turned into Upwork, just freelancing. Yeah. Charging people like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, just figuring it, like doing this job and just still learning. And I learned everything trial by error. And I grew a whole business there and I started dealing with like large national and international companies, like e-commerce, stuff like that. And then about six, seven years ago, I was looking for a house. I was just dabbling around on Craigslist and I stumbled on a wholesaler. I'm like, okay, let me go check this property. I went out, this place was trashed. Like you turned the water on, it rained in the basement. I got to experience how to get screwed over by contractors multiple times on that one. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was a great learning experience. So, and I saw what I paid the wholesaler, which was cool because the, the numbers made sense. But I'm like, wait a minute, I can probably just slap something together here and try to get my own leads, save $10,000 yeah. or 15 grand, whatever the wholesale fees are. So I, I put together a carrot website, like just a generic um, site, like just slapped one up, stuck some ads behind it and started getting leads. So that's where this business came from specializing in, I changed my whole focus onto local marketing for real estate investors, just because the space is, there's not a lot of people really doing a, a crazy good job helping yeah. people generate leads, you know? Yeah. So that's where I turned my direction there. I do a lot of buy and hold myself. I buy junkers, fix them up and I just keep them. And then like even some for all your audience too, like I only invest in one zip code. So all the leads I get outside of my zip code, I partner up with a wholesaler in Pittsburgh. And we just split profits. So it's like a lot of guys are like, I get leads out of my area. You can still do something with those. So yeah, it's kind of my two minute spiel on the background. No, I love that. So what market are you in currently? I'm in Pittsburgh, South Hills Pittsburgh. of Pittsburgh. Yep. Okay, nice. And then when did you start this whole process? Like what was your first property that you actually picked up on your own? Yeah, my first property I got, it was a hundred grand, picked it up for, it was a hoarder house. Yeah. Got it for a hundred thousand dollar cash. Went in. I even underbid that one too. I'm like, okay, this is we had it was uh three 30 yard dumpsters. Just, wow. just to the place that so it had a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Um you opened the refrigerator, the electric was cut for a couple of weeks, and they had a they had a chicken in the freezer, which like Jesus. made you want to barf. It, it was yeah, it was, but 
yeah, it turned around. Like, so you get it for a hundred grand. I put like 30, 35 grand into it and appraised at two thirty. So wow. numbers made sense. And I just keep them. So it's, it's kind of like pushing that equity into the future. I just do the burn method. Yeah. Then I go to the bank, pull my initial cash back up. I do it again. Yeah. I love it. So what year did you start doing this? Probably about 2015. 2015. Okay. And how long were you doing SEO and just digital marketing in general prior? Yeah, I've been doing that since like 2000, like probably over 15 years. Yeah. Love it. Great. Yeah. So naturally you just put two and two together once you saw the one guy made 10, 15K and off your deal. And it still made sense, the numbers for you, but you know, you put an ad together, you started getting some leads coming in. What kind of rookie mistakes, you know, did you potentially make? Obviously you were good at digital marketing prior, but you know, this was kind of, it, it's a new marketing stream, right? It's real estate. Right, right. It's, it's completely different. So was there any rookie mistakes that you made on the ads in the beginning? I'd say not necessarily on the ads. Okay. But how I handled the leads were rookie mistakes yeah. because like in this space, time is so important. Sure. It's like, if you get a lead, you got to call them in like two minutes. Yeah. It's not like, oh yeah, I can call them all once a day and get back to them. It's like, no, you got to get back to them ASAP. Now. Yeah. And anyone who's doing that now is experiencing that, do it really fast. And what I did was eventually I evolved into, I had a notepad like on my phone that just had a text written out. It says, hey, thanks for filling out a form on my website. Here's a link to my calendar. Book a time to, for us to come give you an offer. So I'd shoot that text when it came in immediately if I couldn't call them. And then I branched into doing it through a CRM. So it's automated. So I don't have to manually do it anymore. Okay, nice. So you're very tech savvy, apparently, because you systemize a lot of this and any leads that aren't in your area, then you got creative and now you partner up with people to, you're not just like wholesaling it and getting a flat one-time fee, right? You're actually invested in these deals as well, right? Yeah. So what I do, if it's an overflow, like out of my area, yeah. I just send it like one of the guys named Dustin. I just shoot him over the lead. It just automatically goes to him. They run it. If they lock it up, we split it 50-50. Love it. Okay, cool. How many projects do you have on your own currently? And then partnerships. Yeah, I have about 20 properties myself. Okay. And then partnerships, I got about five that we're holding. And then I think we got like five or six waiting to close right now, like on the wholesale side. Nice. What are you typically seeing per month? on actually like closing on closing it depends like three to you mean dollar wise or deals deals i usually like three to five yeah and then market wise it's like a nationwide it's going to vary as far as dollar amounts so like your area can be completely different like san diego i paid my wholesalers like 40 to fifty thousand, and the marketing cost to actually get those leads are right around 7500 to about 10k typically Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. So Pittsburgh, I can generate a lead for like 65 to 75 bucks. San Diego, it costs like $350 to get that same lead in San Diego. Wow, that's crazy. San Diego is one of the most competitive places I know in the US. San Diego, Salt Lake City, really, really expensive, real, real hard. So you've done the research, the due diligence on other areas nationwide as well. Oh, yeah. So I, I manage about 100 investors marketing for them also nationally. Okay. And that's with your other business. What is that called? Motivated leads. Motivated leads. Okay. How long have you been running that? We've been doing that about a year and a half. Okay. Love it. Love it. Do you have a partner with that or is that just all? Okay. Yeah. Me and my buddy, Chad, he was actually involved with uh, really big on e-commerce also. And okay. um, I did a lot of the SEO stuff. He did a lot of the Facebook stuff. We did that. And I'm like, Hey dude, check this out. He always wanted to get into real estate. He saw what yeah. I was doing. I'm like, all right, all right, let's do something. And then we started doing this too. And it just blew up, you know, cause okay. he, he has like huge experience on the Facebook side. Yeah, that's awesome. So 
your guys' lead generation all is from Facebook ads, correct? Or are you doing pay-per-click? Are you doing any other type of lead generation? Yeah. So for our local stuff, I'm doing SEO, uh, Google pay-per-click, Bing ads, which is still a thing. Like people actually click those and uh, Facebook ads. So yeah, I do all four of them. Bing ads. Talk to me about that. I'm like a rookie of this. I have no idea. I've never even heard of that. Okay. Well, Bing is uh, MSN. It's like what all the old people still have in their browser. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You you figure if someone goes to MSN or yahoo.com, they have ads also, which is owned by Microsoft. So you have Google pay-per-click, which has their whole network you can advertise on. Then you have Microsoft, they call it Bing. It's the same kind of platform. It's just like Google pay-per-click, except the cost per click is way cheaper. And it doesn't get that much traffic either. It's not like Google. Google probably gets 70, 80% of the traffic nationally, but there are people searching on on msn.com, yahoo.com. And the people that are are usually older people because that was popular 10, 15 years ago. And that's the demographics we're targeting. You know what I mean? Okay. So that's perfect for you because at the end of the day, the ad spend probably goes a hell of a lot farther because less competition. There's not as many people like wearing down your ad correct? It does. The only problem is you can't spend that much. Like it doesn't have as big a reach. There's not a big enough audience to really like scale up. You might, you'll have leads trickling in from there. Yeah. But like, if you want to play, you got to be on Facebook and pay-per-click and all that stuff too. So you get capped out pretty quick. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me. This is pretty good because I'm clueless when it comes down to ads. We always just pay wholesalers the fee and I don't, because I'm not tech savvy. We haven't found anybody like yourself to be able to really run it for us. So, so talk to me, like walk me through, if I wanted to start this today myself, where would you recommend? Would you recommend hitting all of those marketing pieces just like you do? Or would you say stick with Facebook or Google? Okay. So say you were getting into it. You didn't have a website or anything. You're like, Hey, I'm getting into this. I'm currently doing mailers and text and uh, and telemarketing. So I'd say number one, you got to get a website. You can go to somewhere like Carrot, like Carrot.com. They have decent websites that you can have live in like 30 minutes. You can go to a web designer and have them make you like a WordPress site. It might cost you like 500000 a 1000 bucks. But number one, you have to get a website made. Second thing is, and you guys can look at my local site. It's 412houses.com. It's just a basic Carrot site. But the reason I bring that up is you want to have clear messaging. On the website, you wanted to say, sell your house fast. We're cash home buyers, stuff like that. Don't try getting leads like saying, hey, we'll give you a home valuation or like how much of your house is worth because it's going to get you garbage. Be really direct with the people. And then if they're looking to sell and they're in that situation, they will. So you get the website made, then I would recommend starting with Facebook. Reason is Facebook is the cheapest cost per lead I see in most areas. The reason is Google pay-per-click, you're bidding on keywords. So you're bidding on, say someone bidding on sell my house fast. Someone might be bidding $20, $30 per click, which is really expensive. Yeah. On Facebook, we're not bidding on keywords. We're bidding on where area we want an ad to show in a Facebook feed. So we could be like, Hey, I want to show ads in San Diego. I'm competing against the barbers, the local shoe stores. I'm not in direct competition with investors, which investors are super competitive. Like on Google pay-per-click, if you get outbid, you're like, a lot of these guys, they just have deep pockets and they just keep spending. Yeah. They're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. So Facebook, you're paying per impression. You might pay $20 or $30, whatever it is per thousand views. So you can get in front of a lot more people for a cheaper cost. And then I usually go Facebook. Then I would add Google pay-per-click and then SEO, which is a real long play, which is ranking in a free section to Google. Okay. So the ad itself, is it a video? Is it just a, Hey, we buy your house right now, cash close quick. 
and then it directs them to the website or how does that look? So we'll do different things. Like normally if you're doing ads, you want to have, be directing your ad too. say like uh, we buy houses, we're cash home buyers, sell your house fast, have pictures of homes that you're targeting. Don't put pretty houses. If you're looking for garbage and junkers and don't put junk houses. If you're looking for like real fancy stuff, like, like put in there what you're looking for. And then, yeah, you're going to have it be direct. And then they click that ad. Then that directs them to the website. And that's where the additional information is on you. And you want to have that clear because then if they're interested, then they'll fill out a form. And also I like the website more as like a disqualifier. It's like, Hey, here's what we do. And here's what we don't do. So we don't get bombarded with people that are saying, Hey, everything's for sale for the right price or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or want you to like be a realtor and sell their property, you know, a top dollar or something. Yeah. Okay. And then one other thing too, which a lot of these sites like carrot come with, so let me say on the homepage, they ask basic questions. What's your address, phone number, and email? After they submit that, there's a whole nother page of questions. So you caught their phone and email up front. Yep. But the second page is asking like, why do you want to sell? What are your goals? How fast do you want to sell? How much works it need? Is it tenant occupied or owner? And get that information too. Don't be scared to ask questions once you got their phone number because the people that are motivated will give you that information and the people oh, yeah. that aren't won't. So it's a good determining factor and you get that info before you even get on the phone with them. That's so good. So if they don't fill out the extra form, basically, then don't even bother calling or put that on the back burner. Yeah. I still call them. It's just, just know there's going to be a high likelihood that they're list. Like some of them are listed on the market. I see the people that come through the first one and don't go to the second because that's sure. a question on the second. Yeah. Or they're just looking for too much money and it's, it's too much work. Like it's like, oh, I got to fill those out too. Yeah. Um, Versus the people that really want to sell, they're like, I'll, I'll fill out a hundred questions if you le- look legit, you know? Yeah. It's just the motivation level at the end of the day. It's like, they're not motivated enough. So, you know, it's probably not going to be a, a deal there at the time. hundred percent. So, yeah. Now, after you get them to fill out that form on the second half and you get it right away, do you hire on people to actually like call them or like closers or do you handle that yourself? What do you recommend? You know what I do is I set up a text message drip that the number one that says, Hey, you can book a call or book it, not even book a call, book an appointment for us to come give an offer. I'd say probably 40% of people book that without even talking to you. And that's huge. Number one, it shows motivation. And also if, if you're in Pittsburgh and I'm in Pittsburgh and it's two in the morning and you're, you fill out your website and then you fill out my website and it, and it books an appointment. By the time the other person calls them the next day, a lot of times they don't answer because the appointment, like they already feel like they've achieved what they needed to. Yeah, that's Um, true. But then also me, I'll call people personally. Like if someone comes on my website in the zip code I buy, I will call them within seconds. Like no joke. I will drop what I'm doing and then I'll leave my house or wherever I'm at and I'll go meet them if if they're ready right now. But all the other leads, I forward over to Dustin and they they run them like on the phone call after, after that text. Okay. Well, so basically doing, what is it? SMS and uh, text blast. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know what? There's a CRM that does that easy. It's called go high level. You go can high set level. Yeah. You can set it up. It's like 97 bucks or 197 bucks. It's a full CRM, but it integrates text message and uh, phone calls. You can do voicemail drips in there too. So you can shoot from your website through Zapier in a webhook. What that does, it takes all the information from your form shoots it into the CRM and then the CRM automatically sends a text message out and you can have that automatically drip message for like 60 days if you want. Wow. If you can't yeah, get that's great. Them, it'll just follow up with them for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that makes it very affordable and saves you time most importantly. So you can be very proactive and get these leads like nurtured. 
Um, right, yeah. And keep track of them too, like which ones you called and not and all that stuff. Yeah. Now, after they fill out the form, you send out the text blast, they book an appointment. Are you still jumping on a phone call with them to kind of qualify them and try to close them over the phone? Or is it just to book that appointment, go out to the property itself and then qualify them there? Yeah. So what I'll do, if they book the appointment, I always pre-qualify before I go. Okay. So that shows me intent. We have an appointment scheduled. I call them. Mainly what I want to find out is why do you want to sell and kind of get an indication how much you're looking for. And if your house is showing me on Zillow, it's worth 200 grand and you're looking for 200 grand, I'm not the guy. Like there's no sense even meeting up. So I I try to find that out. And a lot of times people won't even tell you. They're like, I I just want to show you. I'm like, well, then just give me a ballpark. And eventually they'll tell you. Then if it's like, oh, that's too high. I'm like, what's the best price you do? If they stick at that number, I know they're pretty firm. But a lot of times people be like, hey, I'm looking for 200. And they're like, well, I'd take 160. Like that's a a huge swing. It's like, okay. And uh, mainly I'm trying to find out what their their, um, situation is though to help them. Because you can make win-wins here. It's like, what situation are you in? Why do you want to sell this place? Does it need too much work? You don't have the money to put into it. And mainly find out just if it's good fit. Like you can kind of go with your gut on the phone. Or if you guys probably know what you're doing on the phone call. Yeah. So when it comes down to following your gut with this or like, what is the overall main reasons why people want to sell? From what I see, a lot of people inherited homes. I see a lot of people, at least in Pittsburgh, they inherited a home and their parent had a whole bunch of stuff in it. And the house hasn't been touched for like 30, 40 years. So they got the property. They're like, I can't sell it. Like you can't sell it like this unless you clean it all out. But then once you do that, then you have to get it presentable. You look at how much it costs and all that kind of stuff. And then I see a lot of the hoarders and then we're starting to get people now too. They're like, Hey, I'm just moving out of town. If you give me a fair price and like, I don't have to deal with anything. I'll give you a discount. Yeah. Not seeing really any pre foreclosures like we used to stuff like that. That'll probably come back, but mainly junker house that people can't afford to fix and don't want to. Yeah. What do you anticipate the future to be when I know nobody has that crystal ball, but there's so many people that have been on the sidelines for like the last year or two years or even longer you know, anticipating some big crash and they're waiting to gobble it all up at that point. And I just feel like it's not happening, you know, so it keeps on getting delayed, but I don't know. I would love to hear your point of view on that. Yeah. I don't think the economy can sustain like it is. I think it's kind of fake, but also the government is not going to let people lose their house. So if they continue to keep supporting people and paying their bills and letting them not work, then I don't see the market turning around anytime soon. I just feel like it will be another bailout in some way. Instead of bailing out the banks this time, it will be bailing out Americans and then blaming it on COVID or whatever it else. You know, well, it looks like our new tax returns. We're going to be the bailout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks like you're changing yeah. the tax law next year. So, no, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so true. Well, yeah, I appreciate your opinion on that. Are you guys teaching people this stuff, or I, I know you guys like your business is doing it for people, but do you teach people this at all? No, I don't really teach. Like, I've never gotten into that space. Okay. We more just do it, but I do make a lot of videos. Like we actually just started making like tip videos for yeah. people that do it themselves. I just don't have the time to literally like just teach people one-on-one. I hear you. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious, like what is the most common mistake that you would naturally see for somebody that's brand new? Like myself being completely ignorant on all type of marketing aspects, yeah. like what mistakes would you naturally see or anticipate me to make? Okay. The number one mistake I see, do you know what a Facebook pixel is? That's so that's retargeting. 
Yeah. So it's a specific piece of code that you can put on your website. And whenever people go to the website, it gives Facebook data yeah. on people's behavior and things like that. So then one of the things I see a top one is if, you, if you're running Facebook ads, make sure that Facebook pixel is on your website. Yeah. You're wasting your money because a lot of people don't put it on. Just It's not your fault. You just don't know. Second is make sure they have a, it's called a lead or an event code in the pixel. Say you go on my website, the 412 houses, you submit the first form. It goes to step two. <clears throat> that fires an event. It's called a lead. Like I named the event, it's, it's a lead. What that does, that tells Facebook, okay, this person went to this page and allows them to build an audience and see what kind of behavior that person has. Yeah. Once I get a hundred or a thousand people to do the same thing, they can segment all my traffic and the people that took action, see what's similar with the people that took action and try to put my ads in front of other people like those. Wow. Yeah. So that makes cost of leads start going down ideally, right? Right. Yeah. So if anyone's running Facebook, 100% do that. And don't run like like campaigns. Don't run link, link click. Only target conversions, like a lead. Okay. Gotcha. Only target conversions. Okay. That's good. Yeah. A um, lot of people waste money on like, I just saw a guy yesterday. He spent like $5,000 getting likes to his page, you know, which is fine, except Facebook doesn't show really free posts. Like whoever likes your page, they limit your audience so much. Like even yeah, like you're yeah. talking about the algorithms, just they want you to pay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're still going to limit how many people are actually seeing your stuff. And, and uh, I don't even know what it is. I believe it's like a very small fraction, correct? Yeah, it's really small. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Cool. So do you have any scripts or certain things that maybe you could just name off the top of your head when it comes down to disqualifying an individual either over the phone or when you actually see them in person? Or, you know, are you asking, obviously you asked the, why are you selling in the first place? But if all of those motivational levels kind of pan out. Are you asking what the mortgage is? When's the last time repairs have been made? Stuff like that. Yeah. So normally when I'm talking with someone, I'll call them up and like, Hey, this is Brian with 412 houses. So I had a, you just filled out a form on our site. Wanted to give you a call to see what the deal is. I'm like, so what's going on? Tell me about your property. Yeah. They'll tell me. And then I'm usually going into questions like, Hey, how old's the roof? How old's the furnace? Just trying to gauge the condition. Yeah. Once they tell me that, then I'm going to say, well, how much are you looking for? And they're usually going to say a number. And then I'll talk to them more like, well, why do you want to sell? What's the deal? And they usually don't tell you what the deal is like up front. Like they'll tell you something, but that's really not why they're selling. Yeah. And then once you talk to them more, you end up finding out a little bit more like, why are they like, what's the situation? Like, what, what, what can I help you with? And they'll tell you eventually. And then towards the end of the call, I'm like, okay, well, if I came out with a cash offer, what's the best price you can do? And I'd mainly want to see what that difference is. Like if I, if you told me a hundred grand and now you told me 70, that's a huge swing versus if you told me a hundred grand and then you say, well, 98 is the best I can do. Most likely there's a mortgage, which I'll get into. Like I'll ask him, okay, is there a mortgage or what? So it gives you a good indication on, hey, is this person motivated? And also do they have wiggle room? You know, and then I'll usually go meet them. Uh, one flag is anytime someone brings up a realtor to me, I'm out. Like they're like, hey, I was talking with my realtor. I'm like, you should probably just list it on the market. Yeah. Because a lot of times they're talking with the realtor. Like, well, could you come out and let me know how much you give? I'm like, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're starting to shop around too much. And then it's, yeah, you already know the realtor can possibly do more in certain areas. And Um, you know what? A lot of times they can too. Like I just told a guy a couple of weeks ago, dude, you should list this on the market. Like if if I can help someone stay in their house, that's great. And then if if they can't stay in there, I can make it real easy for them because I can usually overpay what other people are paying and I pay cash. So it's like, okay, we can close. There's no loops. I'm not wholesaling it, anything like that. Yeah. 
So that's good. So when it comes down to if somebody wanted to do the exact same strategy, obviously they need cash to be able to pull those off to close quickly. Are you doing no contingencies and so forth? Yeah, I usually do no contingencies. I'll still take one of my contractors with me though and uh, walk the place and like do kind of an inspection, but it's not contingent on a sale. If I find something, it's just like really a deal breaker, like some crazy, then I would probably walk. I usually, I never have, but I still protect myself because I know some stuff, but I'm not a contractor. So anyone in the business, like don't go take a professional and see, because I went into one place and they had pests like uh, termites. The guy yeah. stuck a screwdriver through the beams. Yeah. Like I didn't even think that I, I saw it was there. I didn't realize. Yeah. The about to fall down. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's so crucial to always walk through and get like a thorough inspection by the professionals that like know what the hell they're doing. Right. Like we only know so much when it comes down to all the other areas of real estate. So that's good. Yeah. And you can even pay in. Like sometimes I have an inspector, his name Brian. I'll pay him 500 bucks to come through just for my knowledge. Sure. Like the sale's not contingent on that. I'm not beating them up after that. It's just like, hey, give me the checklist of all this stuff so I can get through here, remodel this place in 30 to 45 days and move it, you know? Yeah. I did that for my first five properties and walked through with them in, in some cases. And that helped me out in so many different ways that moving forward, I, I knew what to look for. And I started getting more confident. I don't know if that's stupid or not to not use them anymore, but thus far it, it's been able to help me out. And yeah, I do recommend that in the beginning for everybody. Yeah. hundred percent. Cool. So if somebody wanted to do the exact same thing, first strategy, take it down themselves, instead of actually like wholesaling it, then they got to come up with cash, utilize credit, like we teach and so forth. Are you partnering up with individuals or are you raising private money at this point? Yeah. You know what I did? So when I started out, I financed, I found a bank in Pittsburgh, yep. they did commercial loans. I put a property in LLC. I'd come up with 20% and finance the difference. Yep. And Which then, bank? Uh, I, S&T bank. S&T. Okay. Yeah. Like S and then the and sign and then T. They're yep. a local bank. Anyone in the area, they're awesome. They do um, 20 year loans, uh, five year adjustable. It's like under 4% right now. So it, it's cool. Yeah. So I started doing that. I put the 20% down and I, cause I, I didn't have a hundred grand laying around. Like yeah. I'm just, just getting into this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I started getting into more properties. I'm like, wait a minute. I got all this cash tied up in there too. Like, cause you got your 20% into each property. Sure. So then I saved up and I came up with enough money to buy the first place cash. Okay. I bought it, put the money into it. And then the bank will let me take 100% of my cash back out because the place is appraised. Like if I buy it and I, I got 130 into it and it appraises at 230, they got no problem cutting me a check for 130. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? So then that's how I did it. I started with the finance and then I worked into it. I don't raise money. Uh, my partner, Chad though, he always wanted, like I said, wanted to get into real estate and he had cash sitting there. He's like, hey, he was begging me to get into it. I'm like, if you front the money, we'll, we'll do a couple. Sure. So I did run a couple with him too, to get him involved. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we've used Huntington Bank in Ohio area, very close to Pittsburgh for a lot of our deals over there. And they've been awesome. So the local small banks in the area can really be like the, the game changer because they can get more creative with you in many different aspects in comparison, like the big banks, you know? It's huge too. Like same with S&T Bank too. Like I put every, it's a, which is overkill. I put every single property I own in a separate LLC. Sure. So, but what they do is LLC is the one holding the debt. I'm just yep. personally guaranteeing it too. Yep. So it doesn't show up on my per if you don't pay it, you you're personally responsible, but it's not showing up on your credit report showing like half a million or a million dollars worth of debt. Yeah. So basically it's not even on your personal credit report. You get a hard inquiry on there, which you can remove pretty quickly afterwards uh, with the right education, but let alone 
it's not on there on, and it's just underneath business until, you know, God forbid the worst case scenario, if there's late payments or anything derogatory, then it would start showing up underneath the personal. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah so that's is, great. Cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it just frees up so much on your personal side because it is a business at the end of the day. So, I mean, yeah, it can be super more beneficial to go that route. I love it. Right. Cool. So if you were going to start fresh today or, you know, in comparison to obviously you're very successful with what you've done thus far, but if you could go back and like tell yourself anything different, what would it be? You mean just in the real estate or in life? Yeah. Well, you can answer both if you'd like. I'm sure there's a lot more to the life side, but maybe, maybe real estate. Yeah. With, with the real estate side, like, so say there was someone I don't know, because all the mistakes I made, like I learned so much from, so I probably wouldn't want to skip them. For sure. Uh, but they sting so bad. Like when they're yeah, happening, yeah. it really sucks. But if someone wanted to get into it now and like try to duplicate what I would do is get a cheap website. Don't yep. overthink it. Don't go into, hey, it's got to be fancy, design all this, just do it. Like get the website, get some ads made, put a pixel on it, track the leads and put like 1,000 or 1,500 bucks to ads yeah. and let it run. Like, like don't wait a month. You got to do this and that, make logos. That stuff doesn't matter. Make, get something respectable and then you can adapt whenever, whenever it's working. But if you don't take that first step, you're screwed. Like you're just going to be thinking all the time. Yeah. 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 You can't overthink this process, right? right? It's so crucial. So the website, you know, for the longest time, a lot of people are saying website leads gen is kind of like dead, but you guys are utilizing it as a form to basically fill out and qualify and just capture more of the leads. Right. Yeah. I do everything hundred percent online. So okay. lead gen is definitely out there. It's, it's, yeah. it's strong. Yeah. If you do it right, a lot of people are wasting money. If you don't, like if you put a Facebook campaign and you're bidding on link clicks, like Facebook knows which people will watch videos. They know which people will click links and do nothing. They know which people will like pages. Anyway. So whatever you ask <laughs> Facebook to do, yeah. they're going to give you. Yeah. So you have to ask, hey, I want leads. It's not like, like a lot of these guys will say, hey, you got to build a funnel. You got to make video views and link clicks and then get an audience and retarget them. You do have to build a funnel, but don't do it that way because that's wasteful go for the conversion. Tell Facebook, hey, I want, and it's going to be a lot more expensive. You're going to spend like five bucks a click versus five cents a click, sure. but you're getting the right type of people and build your audience that's quality, not garbage. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing when it comes down to data to get your leads. Like you don't want junk. You want the real like cream of the crop. So pay the extra for it. And then you'll see the results a hell of a lot less, you know, struggle and, and trial and error to get right. there. And one other thing too, be patient. Like I see a lot of guys, they'll stick ads up and nothing's happening. Like give it two to three months, like let it go. It still adapt if you see something weird happening, but there's no get rich quick button. It's not like I stick up ads and boom, I'm flooded with leads. It's going to be slow. And then just keep looking and trying to see what happens in there and looking for um, similarities and different things like that and adapt, you know? That's good. That's a good marketing or like a tip right there because I naturally would have assumed, you know, maybe two weeks or so hit all those leads and then change up something if needed. But if you're saying three months, is there like a certain like indication of maybe we need to cut this or maybe run it longer? Yeah. So here's what I look at, which I guess it's kind of tough because I look at a lot of different things. But sure. if I'm looking at a campaign, say I have a campaign going to an audience and I have five different ads inside that campaign, five different creatives, like a couple might be videos, a couple images, stuff like that. If I look in there and in Facebook, say I spent 500 bucks. If $400 went to one of the ads and it got no clicks or like low clicks or no conversions, things like that, 
because Facebook will direct the money where they think is best. So yeah. if you have five ads at times like those, you're going to adapt and pause the one so that the spend can go to the other four to see if they're good. But Very you're going to look at things like what's your cost per click? What's your cost per lead? And if you have five ads running and one of them is getting a really good click rate and one of them is not, maybe divert the money there. But yeah, I don't know if that answers the question there. But normally, like you look at stuff, but you don't want to be tinkering with it because if you're getting leads, don't touch it. If it's not broken, do not fix it. Yeah. And kind of like to add on to that, it's basically just split testing. So split test several different options and, you know, see what's performing the best and focus on that. Yeah. One of the hardest things I had to learn was like when things are going good, don't try to make it better. Ooh, like so a lot of times, like I'll see you, this can't, it's hard. Like campaign just hit it sometimes. I don't, I don't even know why it's just sure. like, so it's like, okay, well, you know what? That's doing really well. Let's try raising the budget or duplicating and then add another ad. And a lot of times I'll do that. And then a lead just drops and we got to completely rebuild. It's like, if you're getting good leads, let it run until it dies. Cause it will die off, Yeah, but yeah. you don't have to tinker every day. It's going to hurt. It hurts you more than helps you. Well, and there's also certain price brackets, right? Like if you put a thousand bucks towards it, you might perform like amazing, but then you put a thousand one or a thousand, you know, 1200 or whatever, and it could totally shift things, right? Yeah. Cause when you're scaling, if you're scaling your Facebook campaign, you only ever want to do it in like increments of 10%. Okay. <laughs> it up the algorithm. So if you had a, th- a campaign going for a thousand bucks, you bump it to 5,000. Like it just different. Yeah. It, it, it's kind Completely of different. Yes. Yeah, so you yeah. want to do some gradual changes. So yeah, their algorithm is just, it's finicky. Yeah. That's so good. I love it. Well, God, I feel like there's like a ridiculous amount of content right here. Uh, you should like write a book on this stuff or we need to have you back on here to really dive in more just because there's so much that I can take away from this. But, you know, is there anything in particular that you would leave with the listeners to really just make sure that they succeed in this stuff and uh, obviously not give up before, you know, the the time's up, but uh, anything else that you would kind of portray to them? Yeah. Main thing I would say is if you're not doing it, just get started. Like take that step and just do something because once you take the step, say you go on Facebook, you start tinkering around, it'll take you down a road and you'll figure it out. And then also welcome those failures because like they suck. And then sometimes I'll even sit there. I'm like, like I have to tell myself, I'm like, Hey, enjoy the ride because like it sucks and you're getting beat up. But then like, if I look back in the past, I'm like, that was kind of cool. Like it sucks when it's happening, but sometimes you just have to be aware and just be like, okay, this isn't working, but then step back and get out of your head a little bit and just be aware that you're doing something like you're taking positive steps. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It's very, very important. I feel like naturally we can be very tough on ourselves instead of like sitting back for a second, take a deep breath and acknowledge that the ride can be good and and life is good. So just enjoy it. That's good. So Brian, do you mind just like diving into any type of links or how people can social media, how people can reach out to you, websites, all that fun stuff? Yeah, sure. Yeah. If you want to chat, my website's motivated-leads.com. Phone number's on there. You can just fill out a form. You can hop on a call. Cool. So if you got any distressed properties in the Pittsburgh area, then reach out. (laughs) But nevertheless, this guy is nothing but knowledge when it comes down to digital marketing and and real estate in general. So we only covered so much here today. You definitely want to reach out to Brian and get those missing pieces put together. Brian, I appreciate you so much for diving into all this content, breaking it down and simplifying it for us. Because you gave all the time today to me and the listeners, is there anything that myself or any of the listeners can do to give back to you? No, I'm pretty good. Just go ahead and do it. And if, if you guys go out and do something on your own, just let me know. Hey, you know what? That tip actually helped me out. You know? Yeah. No, that's yeah. so good. I love it. Yeah. 
Cool, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate it so much. Guys, if you haven't reached out to him, make sure you do so. And I got a bunch of notes here myself, so I'm going to start putting this stuff into action and very excited to have you back in the future and, and see what the progress is. Any um, you know, big goals that you have coming up soon or, or what does the next like five years look like for you? The one thing I always wanted to do was be able to speak on camera. So okay. this year, that is the goal. So I started making videos, doing podcast stuff like this, just get more natural. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're doing that's, it, baby. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that's one of the, that's one of the things there. And I'm just always like, whenever I hit a goal, I'm always pushing. So like me, I was diagnosed, which I heard your other thing too. I was diagnosed a long time ago, bipolar disorder, right? Yep. So I found a way to manage that was I always have like 10 tasks, like 10 things lined up in the future. So that, that's one of the reasons I buy properties. It's because like, if I hit a goal, then I'll go like that. It's like, okay, well, what do I do now? Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm always buying properties. Like I will always have a property lined up or doing something. So I just have like never ending, never ending goals. Yeah. That's so good, man. Our messes are message. And at the end of the day, you, you have a, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know about that. We should have dived into that in the beginning, but that that's so I powerful. usually don't even talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I hear you. <laughs> we'll have you on in the future and talk more about that, but Dude, kudos to you for everything that you got going on. Let me know if I can be of an asset or a resource to you. And yeah, just greatly appreciate your time. Nothing but knowledge for, for myself and the listeners. But guys, if if uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you need any credit repair done for you services, then you can check us out at creditrepairmobile.com. And then if you're looking to get educated on credit, how, how the banks and lenders are judging you, how to be able to fix your credit very quickly, how to be able to build up several six figures, even up to seven figures in funding, and then leveraging it into buying real estate with credit, doing hard money lending with credit, e-commerce, funding your business, travel hacking, you name it, then you can always check out our mastermind group at creditcounselelite.com and see if you qualify. Greatly appreciate each and every one of you guys tuning in today. As always, hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification every single Monday and leave a review, share this out. Greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love you guys so much. And we'll see you next week on the next episode. Brian, you're the man. Appreciate you, brother. Hey, thank you. Glad to be on. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.